Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> <laughs> Brawler, written by Ben Errington, narrated by Josh Curran. It will be a fight to the death, Halyard says. This madman, the one responsible for keeping Johnny Murphy prisoner after murdering his father and brother, forcing Johnny to watch, seems to have more torture for the young boy to endure. There is an audience gathered here to watch. They're my disciples. Johnny feels his fists tighten. They're the blind followers of a crime lord who uses extreme violence to control them, the mob, and the law. A man without conscience or morals, who has killed all rivals and now seeks to make an example of Johnny, the son of the man who was once king, albeit the king of a city now teetering on the edge of absolute oblivion. Johnny's stomach flips over, anger and fear mixing together to create a cocktail of adrenaline. They're waiting for you, Johnny. Show me what you made of, kid. Halyard smiles and reveals yellowing teeth. The marble floor is ice-cold on Johnny's bare feet, but the stare he receives across the room from the muscular, framed beast of Zaz is much colder. His legs struggle to move as he walks slowly across the hall. The crowd gathers to watch in silence. Some are dressed in business suits, others in casuals. A few women in cocktail dresses and one or two men with bare chests, as if itching to get involved with the proposed scrap that is about to happen. Zaz's breathing is steady. He 
He sways back and forth like a colossal tree during a hurricane. Johnny knows he has no chance against this man. He's just a kid, no matter what wrath he feels within his soul. Zaz is a physical presence unlike any Johnny has ever seen before, a terrifying, hulking mess. The voices of the crowd begin to murmur with expectancy. Halyard falls into the horde, disappearing amongst the faces like a drop in the vast ocean. I've been looking forward to this, Zaz barks. Johnny steadies himself. Whatever fear he feels he must place to one side, at least for now. Let's get to it. Halyard's reptilian voice rings out, filling the hall. More voices join in unison, shouting things like, Smash his face. Ring his neck. Break his legs. Zaz lumbers towards him, Johnny unable to move. Zaz shifts his weight and extends his left arm, a fist like a wrecking ball crashing into the side of Johnny's head. Johnny hits the ground, his vision blurred as he turns over and looks up at Zaz looming over him. Zaz seizes Johnny by his dusty black shirt, wrenching him upwards into a bear hug. Johnny gasps, his desperate breaths in unison with the enormous screaming pain in his head. Zaz lifts Johnny above his head, making a spectacle of his strength. Several crowd members move out of the way of Johnny's body as it slams into a marble pillar, Johnny's vertebra bending around it. Zaz bellows as he comes at Johnny again, a fist already raised, ready to strike. Johnny uses his instinct to evade the punch, rolling out of the way as Zaz thrusts his arm forwards. It connects with the same column Johnny was thrown against, forcing Zaz's fist into an abominable shape. Zaz yelps like an injured dog, cradling his hand. A few shocked gasps come from the onlookers, but Halyard is silent. Johnny scuttles away like a crab, specks of blood following him as if it flows from his mouth. Zaz looks at Johnny with frenzied eyes. The young boy leans forward too soon, quickly attempting a dodge before Zaz has even made his move. Zaz is too fast, and he lands a punch with his good hand, striking Johnny's neck as he falls onto his back. Zaz grabs Johnny around the left ankle. Johnny tussles to get free and kicks out at him, the ball of his bare foot connecting with the big man's face. Zaz shakes off the impact and pulls the boy towards him, Johnny's sweaty hands squeaking as he is pulled along the polished floor. Zaz changes his grip from Johnny's ankle to around his knee. With both hands around the boy's leg, he wrenches backwards and sends Johnny a few feet vertically into the air, before snatching him down onto the ground. Johnny's knee strikes the hard floor with a sickening crack. This excites the crowd, a cheer erupting. Johnny feels useless as Zaz kicks him three times with increasing force in the stomach, knocking the wind out of him so that his lungs feel completely empty. Zaz slams his head into Johnny's face like a battering ram. The boy's head snaps backwards, and Johnny drops to the ground like a rag doll. A chant begins, with everybody but Halyard shouting the words, Kill the kid. A shirtless man from the crowd comes forward with an iron pipe in his hand and gives it to Zaz. The crowd continues to chant. As Zaz swings down with the pipe, Johnny kicks Zaz hard in the groin, crushing Zaz's testicles up into his body. Zaz cries out, hunching over as he drops the iron pipe with a clang onto the marble. Johnny is up as quick as a cat. He jumps at Zaz, throwing his weight into Zaz's abdomen. Zaz is knocked backwards onto the ground and Johnny leaps onto him like a feral beast, clawing and slapping in desperation. Zaz tries to get Johnny off from him, but the boy is persistent and manages to hang on, as if he were riding a bucking bronco. Johnny hits Zaz in the face several times, each chaotic punch gathering more force behind it. 
Zaz manages to kick Johnny away, but the blows have dizzied his vision. Zaz sits forward, and as he turns to confirm Johnny's whereabouts, a foot strikes him in the side of the head, followed by another directly under the jaw. Johnny wraps his bony arms around Zaz's neck, squeezing hard around Zaz's throat, struggling to choke the life out of the gargantuan man. Johnny looks towards the iron pipe on the ground just a few feet away. Johnny steps towards it, but Zaz realizes the kid's intentions and trips Johnny with an outstretched arm and climbs onto him. Johnny wriggles under the enormous weight as Zaz's face comes closer to his, his stale breath burning his eyes. You little maggot, he mocks. You worthless little piece of shit. Johnny screams, his fingers tearing into Zaz's neck. Zaz rears back, away from Johnny's shrieks, which fill the hall as the noise from the crowd subsides. Halyard watches fervently, enlivened by the battle. Johnny looks like an insane ghoul, broken nose now spewing blood, his teeth loose and his eyes bloodshot. Zaz responds with a huge uppercut, laying Johnny out on his back. Zaz turns to the crowd, looking for Halyard. He only sees the open-mouthed faces that suddenly are calling for blood. The chant beginning again, yet fiercer this time. Zaz bends and takes hold of the iron pipe once more. Johnny gets to his feet as Zaz swings the iron pipe with a great might, and the boy dives forwards, directly underneath Zaz's open legs. He scrambles across the ground as Zaz turns. Zaz slips with a squeal on a spot of Johnny's blood, his feet flying out in front of him. The iron pipe clanks to the ground as Zaz lands with a massive thud, the back of his head slamming onto the hard tiles. A sickening break of the skull softens the noise of the crowd. Johnny slowly gets to his feet, his knees wobble as he walks over to where Zaz lays. Blood forms a peculiar shape beneath his head, leaking from his brain. Johnny steps over to Zaz, reaches down and picks up the iron pipe. He feels the dead weight in his shaking hands. The crowd is now silent. He knows who is watching, Halyard, the only man who needs to see this. Johnny doesn't think. His aching arms lift the pipe above his head, and gravity does most of the work for the first blow. The pipe smashes into Zaz's face, breaking his nose and flattening his face. Thick blood splatters as Johnny clubs repeatedly until Zaz is unrecognisable, his face demolished, beaten to a ghastly pulp. The hall fills with wet clunks as Johnny continues to crush Zaz's brain into the ground. The boy finds it oddly satisfying to watch the man's face disappear, as if he was shaping clay and had decided to start the process from the beginning. Halyard smiles, his eyes glistening silver. Johnny stops, knowing that Zaz is dead. He drops the pipe, but he does not hear it hit the ground. The fire calms in his stomach, growing cold and quiet, for it is no longer needed. Halyard comes forward from the crowd, his heels clicking onto the marble floor. Johnny looks up at him, his mouth a thin line on his face. Halyard glides like the devil, pulling out his gun and slamming the butt of the pistol into the centre of Johnny's head. Johnny falls backwards into darkened consciousness, the crowd swaying and bending around the skeletal form of Halyard. Halyard stands over Johnny, the beastly smile remaining on his face. He turns to the crowd as they gather closer to the bloody corpse of Zaz and begins to laugh, a delirious cackle watched by forty bewildered faces. Is this not what you wanted? Halyard sneers. Blood? Some of the onlookers begin to skulk backwards, ready to leave the hall. None of them wanted to see the death of one of their own, 
Nobody expected the boy to win the fight. Several of them had bet money, maybe even property or cars on Zaz's inevitable victory. I prefer to root for the underdog, Halyard says. We may have killed his father, we may have killed his brother, but we didn't kill his spirit. Halyard kicks Zaz's corpse. He kneels down and whispers to the dead man. You had this coming, old friend. The sun begins to rise, but it is late today. The city is on the edge of catastrophe, Halyard's rule growing stronger with each day. Ira Clark need not worry about any form of Judgment Day reaching her in this place. As soon as her houseboat is sold, she will be gone. Perhaps south, near where her sister has moved. Of course, her new husband Arnold has some ideas about where the move should take them, but Ira will have the final say, of course. That's exactly how they ended up living on this houseboat on the canals, and not in a one-bedroom apartment in a shitty borough in the centre of the city. It was Ira's idea, a great place for a newly married couple to set up their first home. A place that was different, a little bit kooky perhaps. Arnold hadn't seemed overly enthusiastic, but he agreed nonetheless. Ira ties her sandy hair back with difficulty, as she has not yet taken to it with a hairbrush. The morning is cold, the air biting against the skin of her face. Gulls squawk loudly in the sky, which together with the steady sway of the water performs a waterside symphony. Ira begins to hang her freshly washed laundry on a line that has been tied across the deck of the barge, one end at a pole and the other above the door which leads down to the living quarters. The wind picks up and blows a sheet that Ira is holding almost completely out of her grasp. She snatches hold of it as it nearly goes overboard. Shit, she yelps. She looks at the dawn dancing on the surface of the murky water, and something catches Ira's eye. At first she mistakes it for a plastic bag. Ira drops the sheet into the wicker basket full of the rest of her laundry. She walks through the door, steps down just a couple of stairs, listens for her husband moving around in the kitchen, and shouts out to him. Arnold, she calls. I think you should come up here. Her voice is calm. There's a dead boy in the water. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Barola was written by Ben Errington, narrated by Josh Curran, edited by Carl Hughes, with music by Mayu and Tom Robson. So, we're gearing up to release our second print edition of The Other Stories. It collects all of the stories from the second three volumes of the show, with an extra thrown in just for you. It will be available from all good Amazons, and you'll find a direct link in the show notes for the coming episodes. We're also going to be giving away five free signed copies, so to enter, simply head over to www.hawkandcleaver.com forward slash competition and enter your details. Until next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.